Hello and welcome. This is Modern Beers and 90s Nostalgia. I'm your host, Justin Lamb. This is episode 64. Who's excited? I'm excited. Uh, Episode 64 is a special episode because it's the number 64, which 6 plus 4 is 10. You all know that. So this is Modern Beers and 90s Nostalgia. I'm so happy you guys could join me um, on this wonderful week of pleasantries. Uh, We have two beers this week, because why not? And going to go over a childhood favorite movie that I just recently rewatched. And uh, I don't know. I don't know why I liked it so much, because I was a fucking kid. Came out when I was eight years old. That's why. That's probably why. Now, after I watched it, though, and now I'm thinking about that, I shouldn't have seen when I was eight years old. I don't know. Uh, but lots of fun stuff going on. I haven't heard from a lot of you in a while. I know the new year brings a lot of resolutions. And it's starting to feel like one of your resolutions was quit listening to Justin yap his fucking mouth about this podcast. Because uh, you've been pretty quiet out there, and I'm feeling pretty basic and unloved. <laughs> I seriously only do this for people's approval, so come on. Shoot me some love, baby. Shoot me some love. I prom- I won't even talk like that again if you if you if you say something to me. Am I begging? Yes. I recently uh, it recently occurred to me that even though I have the listeners for it, I can't actually do ads on this podcast because every record company would sue me for using all the music that I use. So I can't actually make any money off this. Um, I can get beer. So if you're a brewery and listening to this and you want me to do your beer on this podcast, send it to me, brah. You need my address? It's... I'm not going to give my address out on this podcast, but reach out to me. Beersand90s at gmail.com. B-E-E-R-S-A-N-D-9-0-S at gmail.com. I don't know what that accent was. Okay. We're going to jump into, though, because like I said, I got two beers. Got a fun movie. Some fun facts. Reliving my childhood as I talk. So... A little break, and then we'll get into the beer. This week, it's Bell's Week. Why? I have no actual good explanation for it. But we have two Bell's beers and Bell's beers. And I realized I have so much Bell's beer regularly uh, that I have to branch out just for the podcast. So I'm going to knock two of them out this week. Um, And those two are both new, seasonally delicious beers. Um, One is this year's Hop Slam, which this specific can was packaged on January 3rd. And another is a limited edition called Larry's Latest Flamingo Fruit Fight. Pretty sure they want you to say that as quickly as possible. Uh, And that was packaged on January 10th, so not that long ago. Still fresh and delicious. And I'd like to talk about both of these beers individually. Now, we have had a Hop Slam episode last year, so I'm not going to talk too much about it. But I do want to let you know my opinions on this year's batch, if you will. But first, before we get to Hop Slam... Let's go with the new guy here. This is Larry's Latest Flamingo Fruit Fight. I'm going to try that quick. Larry's Latest Flamingo Fruit Fight. Larry's Latest Flamingo Fruit Fight. Fuck. Larry's Latest Flamingo Fruit Fight. 
I think that was right. But this is a tart fruit ale brewed with passion fruit and lime. It is 5% alcohol by volume with a shelf life of six months. Once again, and we'll talk about this in a second. Bells, thank you so much for putting a shelf life on your beer. It really teaches people a lesson. Um, now, I got this because I thought it would be like a fruit sour. Based on the, the name of it and its description, a tart fruit ale. I feel like it's just going to be like a sour. But um, We'll give this a try first. And that's in my Bells glass, too. Thanks to Ryan Cavalier for these Bells glasses so many Christmases ago. So the tartness is there. I don't know if I'd call that a sour. And you get you kind of get the passion fruit. You can hear it tanging in my in the back of my throat. Uh, you kind of get the passion fruit there in the back of your throat. The lime, the lime is kind of subtle because it blends with the tartness. Tart, the tartness. Larry, you're tarted. Is that in bad taste? I don't know. Seemed like it was a funny joke, but I could be wrong. You know why? Because I'm wrong a lot. Yeah, something you should know about me. But that's a it's it's a good flavor. It, I thought it would also be like a, have a little red hue to it because of the passion fruit. But it actually looks. I mean, it looks like a hazy IPA in the glass. A nice, uh, nice golden, golden yellow, golden orange, almost like a wheat beer. Not exactly clear. Can't see my fingers on the other side of the glass. Well, I also can't see my hand in front of my face. This is my ninth beer. Just kidding. Uh, but it is uh, it is delicious, as per usual, as most of Bell's beers are. I'm trying to find all the flavors there. And, uh, yeah, it's not overpoweringly. Uh, overpower? Overpoweringly? The fruit flavor is not overpowering. So if you're someone that shies away from super fruity beers um you do get a lot of the tartness though so if you don't like fruit or tart definitely don't get this uh, i've only seen it though in four packs of 16 ounce cans and it's priced uh just just like oberon and two hearted in the same packaging so it's you can get it at a grocery store on sale for like seven bucks probably normally probably eight or nine um it's pretty tasty it's got that six months shelf life, which is nice because I would have thought this would be like a spring summer release, given the flavors and the style of beer. But it's a it's a winter release, so go figure. And I'm guessing Larry's latest is going to be a chain of beers, if it's not already that Bell's is going to be releasing in cans at the brewery. Maybe it's a thing they've already been doing for years, and I just didn't know about it. But anyway, and then moving on, uh, one of my favorite beers. And which I feel like they did real well this year. Um, if you're not familiar, Bell's Hop Slam Ale comes out in January every year. And sometimes it is really fucking hard to find. Uh, I had to go to many different stores to find Hop Slam this year. It is on tap more places than I am used to, which is nice. But unless you want to rob the bar or somewhere you can get a growler, you can't really take it home with you. So I was able to find a six-pack, uh, six-pack cans. I don't know the last time they did bottles. It's like I have Hop Slam bottle caps, so I know at one point they did them. But I mean, it's been at least, at least two or three years. So I know there were cans last year, and they probably were the year before. But anywho, 
Hop Slam Ale is a double IPA brewed with honey. Now this is a that's that's the tricky part there is it's brewed with honey. Every year the batch is a little different, and this year I feel like they made the honey so subtle that it just just enough brings up more, which makes it even more delicious. Uh, and it it follows on my on my tongue at least more like a uh, like a wet hop IPA. Sorry, like a fresh hop. IPA. So it's a, it's an exciting batch. And I'd like to note a couple things on the can. So it says a few things. One of the things it says, best enjoyed as fresh as possible. True story. Another thing it says, like the last beer, shelf life three months. Oh, and by the way, this is 10% alcohol by volume. So now that can confuse some people. Uh, there's a lot of people that like to get beers and I don't know, hold on to them. Maybe like, oh, I'm going to open this when I have a kid. I don't know what the special occasion is that people are waiting for with these beers, but it's consistent and they always seem to be holding on to these, waiting for something to happen. Hop Slam is not one of those beers. I know it's 10% and we like to think that the rule of thumb is 10% or higher. You can kind of like age it in your fridge, but it is, uh, it's an IPA and it's made to be drank uh, immediately, essentially. And I have, a, I have a liquor store by me who, in December, they had a bunch of Hop Slam sitting out. I was like, oh my god, Hop Slam came out early. I was super excited. But when I brought the six-pack to the counter, the guy informed me, oh yeah, that's last year's batch. They held on to them in the back of their cooler so they could release them right before this year's batch and be like, oh, you can have them both now, last year and this year. Uh, first of all, if that's going to work at all, it's going to work in a barrel. Second of all... Don't do that with a beer that has a shelf life of three months. It's technically nine months expired now, man. Like, come on. I've run into so many expired beers at stores lately. And not like a week. We're talking like a year. Because people that try to get into this craft beer game and they try to order all these different varieties. And then the shit doesn't sell. Or they have super shady fucking vendors that sell them all this expired shit at a discount. It's so fucking frustrating. As a consumer, it's one of the most frustrating things in the world. It, it makes me want to just like switch to scotch. <laughs> I mean, I also like scotch, but maybe that's, that's the excuse for me to switch to scotch, but it's really fucking annoying. It is really, really annoying. It's frustrating that I know if I go to a store that has a really good selection of craft beer, I have to check the fucking expiration dates on the six packs before I buy anything because there's a good chance that they're going to be expired. That's a fucked up thing for a consumer to have to do. Yeah. Because the liquor stores, especially those fucking shady ones, they don't give a fuck about you. They don't give a fuck. All right, I'm pretty sure I said fuck like nine times in the last 10 seconds. So fuck it. Let's take a break. Right, this week we are talking about Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. 
released June 14th, 1991, had a $48 million budget, which is actually, I feel like, pretty cheap considering it's a period piece that was done pretty well, all things considered. Uh, but it made $390 million at the box office. So <laughs> it did okay. Uh, what is that? Quick math? What is that? An eighth? An eighth of what it was? Shit. An eighth of what they made was the budget. Made so much money. It's crazy. Which is funny because it had mixed reviews. I think Rotten Tomatoes only gives it like a 40, 49, 48%. Uh, but Robin Hood, played by Kevin Costner, who won a Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Actor of the Year for his role as Robin of Loxley, a.k.a. Robin Hood. Um, his little buddy, Morgan Freeman, played Azim, a uh, Muslim, that he rescues in the beginning of the movie. Uh, he's actually praised for his role as one of the most positive and accurate depictions of a devout Muslim in American cinema. So... Good for you, Morgan Freeman. This is also like the best shape I've seen Morgan Freeman in. I, I just rewatched this and I was like, oh man. Like I know he was younger, obviously, because this is 91, but it's like the best shape I've ever seen Morgan Freeman in. Very funny. Uh, Christian Slater, 91 was like his prime. He got a supporting role playing uh, William Scarlet. And actually he was nominated, didn't win, but was nominated or Golden Raspberry, for the worst supporting actor for his work in this film. Um, Alan Rickman, the great, the late Alan Rickman, he turned the role down for the Sheriff of Nottingham twice, and then finally they gave him essentially free control to interpret his character in whatever way he chose. He's like, fuck you guys. I'll do this how I want. And you give that to people because people are Alan Rickman. And then finally... Mary Elizabeth Mastantonio. Mastantonio? I can't say her last name, guys. It's so hard. There's so many vowels. Um, (laughs) She was given the role four days before shooting um, because Robin Wright was originally supposed to be Maid Marian, and then she turned it down because she got pregnant. And funny thing about that is Robin Wright, of course, was Princess Bride. So that would have been interesting to see her as Maid Marian. Sad that didn't work out. Uh, But great movie. Too long. Way too long. It's two and a half hours long. Um, And as far as being in line with normal Robin Hood legend and lore, I mean, there's, you can go on YouTube. I learned this. (laughs) I learned this the hard way. Uh, I was I was looking for a free version of this because it's not streaming anywhere. You can't even rent it from Amazon. I had to rent it from Comcast, which is stupid. Um, and I got the extended version, which has an extra scene I'll talk about later. Um, but yeah, two and a half hours. It's too long to tell that story. But I looked on YouTube and I was looking to see if there was like a free version on there. Because sometimes you can get movies that are old enough or people don't care enough about it. And you can find them on YouTube for free. Shh, don't tell people that. Um, there were so many videos picking apart this film, talking about its inaccuracies, uh, whether it be inaccurate for the time, inaccurate for Robin Hood's storyline, 
Like so much stuff. People like true Robin Hood believers fucking hate this movie. And Robin Hood's been done so many times. I got to wonder which one, like the big diehard Robin Hood folks. Or is that, is there, are there people out there? They're like the diehard fucking Robin Hood people. Like, oh, I live and die by Robin Hood. No, his name wasn't Friar Tuck. It was Friar Fred. And they changed it for the fucking movies. And it's been changed ever since. That's probably not true. I'm willing to bet, but it's that kind of shit that I, there's got to be like this whole following of Robin Hood people uh, from the original legend or lore, because a lot of it is accurate with King Richard and the Crusades, and you got to wonder, obviously, where the story starts and stops with reality. But yeah, this movie got ripped apart. There was a lot of really negative critical reaction to this movie. And I mean, I guess I understand it. I don't think the acting was terrible. I don't. I think it was good. I think the writing was kind of shitty. And there's fun stuff with that. Uh, there's some ad lib stuff that was left in the movie. Um, some by Alan Rickman, because, like I said, he was finally given the role after he's like, "All right, look, I'll do it, but y'all can fuck off." Um, Christian Slater, this wonderful, famous part. Mind you, this is PG, just to let you know. Uh, Christian Slater, when Robin Hood and Azim catapult themselves over the castle wall, and then they land, Christian Slater goes, fuck me, they cleared it. Uh, Ad-libbed line that the director thought was funny, so he left it in. Very period uh, (laughs) accurate. You know, they used to work around saying fuck me all the time. It's a turn of phrase from the 1100s. Um, Alan Rickman ad-libbed some line about canceling Christmas. He also enlisted friends who were both comedians and playwrights to write funny dialogue for him because he thought the script was terrible and the director didn't tell the producers and so they just were able to keep it in there. Really fucking stupid. Um, so there are things like that that are ridiculous. Alan Rickman is definitely a little over the fucking top in this movie. Um, and then one of the producers is the star of the movie, Kevin Costner. And that obviously created a lot of... Well, Kevin Costner and Kevin something, the director, which I can't remember his name now. Should have written that one down. But Kevin Costner and the director were actually friends. They worked together in Waterworld. They've done uh, another movie together in the 80s, too. I can't remember the name of that. but So they're buddies, but Kevin Costner's a producer on this. And he gets the film and goes in the editing suite and fucking locks everybody out. Locks out the editor, locks out the director, and is like, I'm going to edit this film myself. So then the Director's Guild has to get involved. And be like, look, you have to let the director in. It's part of the rules of filming a movie with the guild. So he eventually lets the director in. The director, like I said, personal friend of Kevin Costner's, super pissed about it. Not happy with the work Kevin Costner did editing it. And apparently, allegedly, Kevin Costner also got rid of a shit ton of Alan Rickman's footage because he thought he was upstaging him in the film. Oh, to be famous. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Uh, 
Um, one of the scenes that was cut, as I mentioned earlier, this is in the extended cut, um, is right towards the end where the sheriff of Nottingham is chilling in his, I don't know, office, chambers, what the fuck would you call it, bedroom, and he notices a draft blowing on a candle. Oh my goodness, a draft. I'm going to drink some beer while I let you think about a draft blowing on a candle. Mm-hmm. You thinking about it? So he goes to find where this draft is coming from and finds a peephole in the wall that we saw very early on in the movie. That peephole goes to the chambers of the witch, the witch in the castle, who's all creeped out. You know, I don't know who plays her. That's a good question. I'm going to look that up while I talk. Uh, but the peephole goes to the witch. He goes to confront the witch. And at that point, she reveals to him that she is his mother. <sighs> yeah. Sheriff of Nottingham's mother is a witch. And when the child who was supposed to be the sheriff was born, she killed that child and replaced him with hers so she could get her son up in the business of being sheriff. And... The rest is history, I guess. And he's all like, oh shit, I'm the son of a fucking witch. I don't know what to do about that, no. Geraldine McEwen. Oh, she died in 2015. R.I.P., girl. R.I.P. So she was obviously uh, old at that point. Or 1932. Um, so, that and I'm sure other scenes were cut from the movie. And there's a whole bunch of fun scenes with fiery arrows and everything. And I think that's why I loved it so much. Just going back to what I said at the beginning of the episode with my childhood. This came out when I was eight years old. And I was always into, especially like once I hit like 12 years old and started playing Dungeons and Dragons. Ladies, you can call me. Uh, that's really when it started spiraling. <laughs> but no, I... Uh, I, I loved the medieval weapons. I always liked like, you know, axes and bow and arrows and, and swords. I thought I was always fascinated by medieval weapons. And so this came out and obviously Azim's got his huge, huge, uh, shimitar and, uh, Robin hood has his bow and arrows. And then there's the flaming arrow scene, which the one that, if you know what I'm talking about towards the end where Robin hood shoots the flaming arrow, not where the, armies are shooting flaming arrows in the Sherwood forest. But later on that shot was, uh, they used a 300 frame per second camera on that one shot, uh, which is what? Six times normal speed. They did it just to get like this awesome detail. And if you watch it, you're like, even with the HD upscaling, you're like, gosh, I wish they shot the whole movie that way. Cause I'll tell you what, man, nineties film, especially 90s video, not great. Especially when like you watch anything now from reality shows to The Office to anything is just crystal clear. Sometimes watching 90s movies is very difficult because it's just the quality is such shit. It's very frustrating. And then finally, in a relation, a relation in a related note to my childhood, uh, I had Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves toys. Yeah. I know I had the Sheriff of Nottingham action figure. 
I had Robin Hood action figure. I think I had Will Scarlet as well. Hmm. Either way, I also had the Sherwood Forest playset, which was three trees that all connected to one platform. And then, you know, it had a little elevator thing you could crank. It was just like a string that attached to a little stand you could put the guys on. Uh, come to find out that Kenner, who made the toys for the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves, they just reused the Ewok Village set from Return of the Jedi back in 83 uh, as Sherwood Forest. They painted it a little different and added a couple accessories. And all of a sudden it was Sherwood Forest. And they also, for the rest of the action figures and the toys, they ended up recycling other failed lines that they had over the years. And Kenner, if you listen to that episode, uh, did that all the time. So that was a surprise, but then knowing more about Kenner, it's not really a surprise at all. But if you ever had any of those Robin Hood toys, now you know they were not original toys. They were just recycled from other things. But Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, is it worth revisiting? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's cool to see Alan Rickman younger and play the sheriff of Nottingham in like a super crazy way. It's cool to see Morgan Freeman. I mean, it's so it's okay to watch it the way I watched it, which I think I was on my phone for a lot of the movie. Not like talking, but, you know, just fucking around on my phone. So it was on in the background, but it's two and a half hours long. So uh, they were definitely fucking lulls in the movie. And that's about it. So is it worth it? I don't know. Decide for yourself. Spend two and a half hours and figure it out. If you've never seen it, I think it's worth it. Just so you can see another version of Robin Hood since there's 900 of them out there. But we all know the best one is the Disney version. The animated cartoon animal Robin Hood. You all know it's true. Let's take a break and wrap it up. gonna do it for this week episode 64 completed and one thing i didn't mention but we will close it out with oh do you hear it it's happening right now yes uh brian adams everything i do i do it for you was made for this movie and ended up being his most successful song of his entire career uh reached number one for like a ridiculous amount of time so think about that spend all that time and then you know 20 years into your career you'll get that one song does it all probably paid for a fucking beach house for him but follow us online instagram facebook and twitter at beers and 90s that's b-e-e-r-s-a-n-d-9-0-s or email me beers and 90s at gmail.com let me know what's going on keep on listening High five me in the hallway at school. Just kidding. We're all too old. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. Bye bye. Everything I do, I do it for you.
Look into your eyes 